0: Are you the Quantum Mechanics?
1: Yes, we are the Quantum Mechanics. We're the paranormal podcast that delves under the hood of the strange and the unexplained. Um, And before we get into this episode, I just wanted to talk to people about um, some of the stuff we've done on Facebook recently, just to make life a bit easier. Um, We had some feedback about people like looking at the images that relate to what we're talking about on the episode that we're doing so what we've done is we've created photo albums uh, for each of the episodes, which will have photographs that kind of relate to everything that we're talking about. So they should be up as soon as the podcast is out. So go to Facebook our Facebook, which is at TQMPodcast, at TQM Podcast, uh, and you should find go to photos. you should find an album there that accompanies each episode where well, you can look at the images that we've been talking about. So it gives you a nice little visual thing. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's all I wanted to say, Ben. What, what do you want to talk about today?
0: So, today I've been looking into something that has been, I don't know, I guess, I suppose all of these things fascinate me, but this has been something that really has been uh, just, it's it's remote viewing and it's one of those things where if it's real and if it can work then like i've always said it changes the nature of reality and it changes the way that we should think about the world
1: so this so, this is this is, i know you gave me a bit of reading material a remote viewing book which i i have to confess i've got about 7 i think on my kindle says 76 the way through, so I know a little bit from my reading on there, but it, it seems like quite an interesting subject, right? It, yeah, I had what so that gone to.
0: No, no, I was gonna say that book is uh called Controlled Remote Viewing by Daz Smith, and what that does is pull together quite a lot of the information that was released by the cia in 2017 about some of the projects that they had going about remote viewing
1: and if you're gonna if you're gonna explain remote viewing kind of on a post-it note because i when i was sorry when i was reading the book is remote viewing the similar branch of esp or is it different
0: Well, yes. I suppose what you would say is, on a post-it, it's perception over distance and time. So it's the ability to look into distances and into the past and into the future. But crucially, it's not about being a psychic. It's more about having an intuition. And I think this is the... Uh, the thing that is different about this particular skill or this particular subject that is different to the others, it, it looks like it's more of a science. So it can be proven empirically and it can have results under controlled conditions. And that is why both the US and the Soviet Union were looking into it and funding it for espionage
1: so i think of you know i think we've all seen that footage of people who've got you know holding up the cards to themselves with a you know triangle and a star and all that stuff and somebody is on the other side of the table and they're trying to i guess is not the word but trying to interpret what's on the other person's card that they can't see
0: like at the beginning of ghostbusters
1: yeah And then the extension of that in my reading of the book is remote viewing is about somebody sitting in a place or looking at a picture of a place and trying to convey detail of what they're looking at effectively to the other person.
0: Yeah. Or it can be uh, at its... Uh, most useful to the spy agencies. Yeah. It, it can be picking a target, and the way that you pick the target uh, can be, it, you don't really need to do anything. We'll sort of come on to that. But the idea is that somebody sitting in a building in America or, you know, in the Pentagon can see what is happening at a secret nuclear submarine base in. Soviet Russia, right? And you don't, you don't need to know anything. You, the 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 person will will look in a minute at, at what the uh, the three aspects of uh, what makes a remote viewing. But the the person who is setting the task to the remote viewer needs to know no more than what it is that they're trying to find the information about, right. and that is also a very curious piece. So, so it, could, it if, could
1: be, just just to kind of follow that thread,
0: hmm. it
1: could be, uh, I don't know, a nuclear submarine, let's say. Right. Um, could, is the idea that the remote viewer could um, almost see into what was going on in that submarine? So know, for instance, how many missiles it was carrying or something like that. Is that the military application of this yeah. kind of... I don't know what you call it, skill phenomena? What would you call it? I don't know.
0: Well, so, yes, you're right. Um, But let's have a look at what uh, people called it. So the idea is not only can you see what the submarine looks like, but the skill also comes from trying to uh, discover what the intention of the people around it is, So a remote viewer not only sees, you know, perhaps a secret engine or can count the missiles, but they can also sense what it is that the captain, the crew, whoever is in charge of it, is thinking. So they could know if they were on high
1: alert or they were feeling aggressive or tense. That's right, that's
0: right. And also potentially um, whether what it is that they're looking at really works or not.
1: And before, I I mean, I'm sure people, some people, sceptical people listening to this will go, well, this is just obviously a load of rubbish. The Mm. US government, the Soviets, I mean, they invested a lot of time and money exploring this phenomena, let's call it, Um, which is quite amazing. I think NASA as well, didn't... I think we've, we've talked in the past, NASA... Have done tests with this with kind of astronauts in space and you you don't feel like it's the kind of thing you just do on a whim or invest millions of us dollars on a whim there's got to be something that
0: they thought no that's right that's right so it, it really all started with there are three kind of superstars of the american cia program there's uh ingo swan who is a gifted remote viewer Russell Targ and Hal Putoff. And they are the three people really who started investigating remote viewing for uh, the CIA at a place called the Stanford Research Institute. And it was Ingo himself who started uh, what I've just described, the coordinate remote viewing technique. And basically one of the key objectives of their work at the stanford research institute was to turn this into something that anybody could do it's not like you're looking for a you know a psychic and um they come in wearing tie-dye and bringing crystals you know that sort of stereotype what they're what they are trying to do with this is make it so that any particular person that the cia chooses can be equipped with these skills so they started turning it into a training program and that is really the uh, the papers around that are distilled into that controlled remote viewing book
1: which well, i think is a really good point because you know this is a book you you said i should read because I, I assumed we'd be doing an episode on it <clears throat> What I found interesting in it, like you said, it's not kind of psychic it's not it's not hippie it's it reminded me actually reading of it it's it's so i for those of you who remember the t v series lost it kind of reminded me of something that what they called the Dharma initiative would have done mm-hmm. It's very uh logical it's a manual it's exactly what you're saying of how to do it, but none of it reads in a way that is is mystic let's say is the word it's very no it, it's very scientific in its approach i think from my reading of it
0: that's right that's right so to supplement what i was getting from the book i actually did look at some of the documents at cia.gov which are freely available to everybody to this day
1: so that's minding and your and google's screwed i was at the pentagon the other week when we were doing ufos you've been to cia cia.gov we we we're, <laughs> we're never going to be let into the u.s ever again are we
0: <laughs> look i i think that uh whoever it is that is looking at our google search history or whatever they're really not doing a great job because last week i was chased around the internet by an advert for a very skimpy bikini. <laughs> and like everything about that is wrong. There is no way that a 45 year old man, even if I was that way inclined, could wear that bikini. <laughs> so I'm really not worried that the CIA know that I'm reading about their documents about remote. No, I'm going to have to
1: get onto Amazon and cancel your birthday present there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we were well, talking
1: about um, the CIA. So you went to the CIA,
0: basically. Yeah. yeah. So. So what I wanted to do was sort of take the key elements because this is a ginormous topic and it has been covered even in mainstream films, The Men Who Stare at Goats, that is uh, about remote viewing. But let's really get into... Because I think a lot of people ignore the fact that the CIA is treating this as... You know, it's as tangible as the different parts of a flower or how a tank works yeah so i found this uh section where they talk about the basic structure of an rv session or remote viewing session that is what this section is called and word for word it describes remote viewing requires a viewer a monitor and a target and then it goes on to define practical definitions of those terms So uh, to summarise, a viewer, that is the uh, person who assesses and records data about the target. Mm -hmm. You have a monitor, so an individual who tracks the progress of the RV session, provides the necessary environmental and procedural framework, and queries the viewer for details about the target. So I guess what they're really saying here is that... um, that monitor person they're going to be the person who understands if if you've given the viewer uh a target which is a submarine base in russia the monitor understands what information is going to be useful yeah because the 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 viewer probably is you know they aren't uh it, they don't have the knowledge about nuclear submarines. So you would change the monitor around depending on where the target is. Uh, And then the third element is the target. A term includes, uh, so this is verbatim target. A term includes almost anything imaginable objects, events, people, places, functions. Targets are designed by an agreement between the remote viewer and the monitor at the time of the viewing and are strictly defined by the property of uniqueness. And so what do they mean by that? Uniqueness is that agreed-upon characteristic that separates the target of choice from all other potential targets. Examples of unique targets range from a single photograph in a specified sealed envelope to geographical locations specified through encoded coordinates. So what they're saying there is if if i am the monitor and i've asked you the viewer to uh to go in and and re- and view this uh remote uh submarine facility controlled by the russian government it's what they're not interested in is obviously the cafeteria on site or the car park or the changing rooms yeah. or anything like that Thereafter, very specifically, they suspect that there is this submarine with these characteristics. Could you search around for something with those characteristics? And so I think what they're trying to pull out here is that it turns into a question-and-answer conversation with the viewer being uh, successively more targeted onto what it is that the monitor is trying to achieve.
1: And and just, just to reiterate... I'm right in thinking this training manual, this document, was written for use, or the the overall intended use of it, was for people in the American military or the CIA to be trained in this technique, right? That was the purpose of the exercise of producing the document. Am I right in that?
0: Yeah, that's right. So, so this article um, and all of this documentation is basically to provide... I suppose, the backbone to the funding for that project. So it's uh, it's illustrating all of the points of research that this group is working towards. So it's not that um, they, they had one, two or three remote viewers who turned out to be particularly skilled and then they said, oh, great, let's use them. What they were trying to do was distill this into a textbook and a series of training uh, procedures that anybody could undertake and therefore perform these tasks.
1: Uh, Do you uh, you know how long the programme ran for, roughly?
0: Yeah. So it started in the early 70s and was officially wound up in the mid nineties, ninety five, ninety six, wow, okay. depending on uh, where you uh, where you take the the date from, but that's amazing, I, isn't it? That
1: I mean, that tells you something. If it was, you know, oh god, we've been scammed here with this kind of company or person who's come along and said they can do this stuff. We've looked into it; it doesn't work. Okay, we've only, you know, it's the military; we've only spent a few million. Fine, but you know, that's nearly you're saying nearly twenty years. That this thing mm. is running so they've yeah. got to be something they've got to be getting some kind of result out of it
0: right well i think there, there are there are some there are some good results and there's a there's a picture i want to show you in a minute but i i think the other sort of point about this is that um from that period from the early 70s through to the mid 90s what we're that is the entire period of the cold war ramping up and then just coming towards the end of the cold war and if there is any way of uh, getting an advantage over your foe then you would you would take it but also it it became clear at the uh, fall of the soviet union that they were investing in this right. as well but the the results uh, were were real. Now, uh, in various books about this, some of them authored by Ingo himself and some which are uh, biographical about uh, what happened, a bit like UFOs, they talk about the giggle factor. So throughout that entire period, um Even though um, perhaps this money, you don't have to uh, directly requisition it from Congress, you still need to go and ask for from, uh, you know, an authority within uh, the CIA or the American military uh, structure. And it is a bit of a challenge to go in and say we need money for these people who are traveling with their minds to different locations yeah. and I think that's why we get this very formal wording uh, laid out in these documents because they're trying to make it very scientific yeah the thing of course is that nobody not even the practitioners can explain how it works but I guess if it does work then that's less of a problem but I can understand why even if uh, well, I suspect that what happened was it didn 't close down in the mid nineties. I suspect mm. it carried on yeah. in a much more secret and underground way, probably because the power of it was recognized but
1: even even if but, it didn't even if it did close down then that's still a chunky period you know to be yeah. investing in it to be you know uh, you, you just think they can't they wouldn't have kept going for that long just on a whim right
0: oh no there was no there was no women this at all mm. uh there's no whim there were women <laughs> um, so the the book itself um describes there are sort of um a number of different stages to how uh, the viewer starts turning their impressions into something that is useful so it's a, it's a seven point plan and it starts off at number one with ideograms. this is um you know the formalized words so basically the way they describe it is first of all the person who is attempting to remote view they do rough sketches and get ideas uh at the second point they then start describing the sensations so is it cold is it cramped yeah. is it fearful environment whatever uh, the third one uh, motion and mobility from the distant sight, and they describe that this is where more of the signal is teased out from the noise so noise and signal mm. is a huge part of all of the documentation that we find in the CIA And they describe
1: the signal. So this is basically... The signal is... It's almost like a... I think they describe it in the book as a kind of like a radio broadcast, right? That's right. It's something that's... So, I don't know, in a simple example, if you're sat there looking at your nuclear submarine and you're trying to send me that information they're saying it will travel like a kind of radio wave to me that seemed to be what I understood from it
0: yeah that's right and the and the noise is coming from all sorts of different places and the reason I'm so vague about that is they didn't know either because after step four which is quantitative and qualitative assessment of the site so Um, the size of it and uh, how many people are there number five is described as interrogating the data line and in the documents it describes that as that is something this is in research and development so that interrogating the data line is probably around can the monitor assist the viewer uh in the in the particular task so if they know that they're trying to look for a submarine and they've got a giant submarine, but then the viewer keeps talking about a greenhouse full of flowers. Then they have to kind of work out whether that is something that is coming, uh, that is noise that is there just because of, well, nobody really knows, but I would guess because the viewer has a sentience and some backstory and, uh, you know, their own thoughts mm. and memories and ego and stuff which is interfering with all yeah. of this. That is something that they have never, re- you know, publicly recorded how you get past that. Well, the other thing,
1: because I, I, when I was reading it as well, it seemed that when they were training people, what they would do is give them coordinates of somewhere. I mean, it didn't really, the bits yeah, yeah. I read, didn't go into detail of how much detail of the coordinates. But, you know, that got me thinking of... I mean, maybe the people who were the viewers were pretty good with their longitude and latitude, but I know if somebody just gave me a bunch of coordinates, I, you know, I probably couldn't tell you if it was Dagenham or Denmark, right? So, no,
0: how does that no, but, that work? But that that that's the whole point about that. Those coordinates—they don't even need to be the coordinates of what it is you're trying to look at. That's oh, like okay. the mysterious thing. You can you can even say to somebody, as we'll see in a few minutes, um, in this envelope that is sealed outside this room, have a look in there. Right. Or you can say to somebody, so you can pick some coordinates that may or may not be in Russia, but your intention as the monitor is that you want your viewer to look at this submarine base right. and they appear to get to this submarine base that is again one of the huge mysteries about this whole subject and that's what makes it like from what i've read that's another reason why it's very tricky to go in and ask people for money who <laughs> you know aren't fully oh, yeah. invested in this because if you explain how it works it sounds Nuts. Bonkers, yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: I, even when we were talking here, I'm sitting there going, well, hold on, if it's a signal, how do you get a signal from an envelope? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Unless it's the monitor. But then, then you know, what you were saying earlier, the military, the military application of this is, yeah, I could buy that the monitor is kind of sending some kind of brainwave to the viewer and they're picking that up, so, you know, the monitor could be thinking about a nuclear submarine and, you know, somehow make that appear in my mind as a viewer, but then for me to effectively virtually walk around in there and find detail that the monitor doesn't have, because that's the whole military application of it, it's bonkers to think how that would work, unless you're tying into somebody who's on the submarine or the submarine base. But it's odd. It's very odd.
0: Well, uh, a large part of this operation was known as uh, Project Stargate. And in 1979, they really did find a Soviet nuclear submarine that they suspected existed, but the remote viewers found it and successfully reported back on how many missiles it was carrying, how many crew it was carrying. Is that in the book? And that, uh, that I is didn't see in, that in the book. No, no, that is in a book called PSI Spies by Jim Mars. We've got to go back and listen to
1: this, because I was, did you bring up, I thought I was the one who brought up nuclear submarines, so maybe I'm picking up on your signal
0: well it was it was one of the first aspects that remote viewers were brought into during the Cold War uh, because maybe I knew that then. Uh, so, so the big fear was submarines obviously um, operating off either of the seaboards of the u s and they wanted to know their capability and back in the sort of late 70s, you haven't got the same satellite. Uh, spy satellite uh, technologies you've got now. So they're either relying on flyovers of Blackbird spy planes and similar or uh, informants on the ground or remote viewers. And this takes you closer to the action. Now, as it turns out, that hit by the remote viewers on that nuclear submarine, which was uh, subsequently proved to be true, absolutely went towards ensuring the funding carried on <laughs> but it but it was very, very hard to explain, as I keep saying to men of science and military men the the people in command, how you got that knowledge so but because so, so
1: basically you 're saying some plane flew over, found some spy. American spy plane found the location of the submarine. Is that right? And then they asked this remote viewer, <coughs> excuse me, they asked this remote viewer then to go and have a look around. Effectively, is that is that how it works? Uh, I
0: don't I don't know how they found you know where it was right. or how they proposed the target, but a remote viewer did find their way into a an Ameri- into a, a Soviet submarine and drew pictures of the missile silos and, right. and everything. And and basically what it did was confirm suspicions. So if you can imagine, you've got a viewer who doesn't, you know, they don't know anything about the spying into Soviet submarines. They don't know how many uh, weapons a Soviet submarine is supposed to carry, but they start drawing confirm in the minds of the people who suspect oh okay so he can see that they really do have the number that we worried that they did yeah. and therefore they take that as pretty good data and subsequently it you know it takes a, a little while before they actually see it in the flesh but it turned out to be true interestingly later on uh it would they remote viewers did find Stockpiles of chemical weapons in Iraq. Really? Now, yeah, but of course. So that's so well. Wow, okay. So all right. Well, so before before the first Gulf War, before the attack, we it was, if you remember, it was it was in uh, it was in the public consciousness that that's why we were going there. They had a super gun. They had chemical weapons. They more than likely had nuclear weapons or proto nuclear weapons. And remote viewers were sent in and confirmed that they saw stockpiles of these chemical weapons. And but not do- no, no WMDs, arms. though. <laughs> well, well, I guess those are, I guess, I guess those like chemical it. weapons, you would call them yeah. uh, weapons of mass destruction but nobody knows how much influence those remote viewers had on that ground invasion wow. and but we're all told that we didn't find yep. chemical weapons but isn't it interesting how all of the well a good number of soldiers from that first gulf war report gulf war syndrome and perhaps you know those chemical weapons did exist and they were used, and you know we just haven't been told about it. I just, so you don't. Know. I just got a
1: vision of um, uh, Tony Blair standing up in Parliament and saying, "We know this weapons of mass destruction. How do you know?" There's this guy who can and then explain the whole remote viewing kind of concept. That would have gone down well, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was. It, it doesn't go down well at all with anybody. But there was a really famous experiment. Uh, Well, it's famous now because it was declassified in twenty seventeen. Yeah. But it was with somebody that we will all know, with Yuri Geller. Right. Let's bend some spoons. (laughs) Right. So Yuri Geller was invited to take part in a uh, project Stargate experiment. This in
1: the is CIA, by the CIA, right? The CIA advised right. him, right? Okay, yeah,
0: exactly. And his job, so he he had been noticed on television, and somebody somewhere within the operation thought, okay, we better check this guy out. So Yuri was invited in, and he was placed in a sealed room. In a CIA building, with headphones on, there was uh, no access to uh, the outside world. There was a guard on the door, and outside that room, somebody picked a word at random from the dictionary, and then drew that word, and Yuri then had to uh, draw exactly what that person was drawing right. and I'm going to show you some pictures now okay. so this is a series of three pictures and it's clearly marked the CIA uh, drawer and Geller's picture uh, and we'll, we'll
1: put, uh, we like I said we'll put these online they'll be in the Facebook thing so at TQM podcast if you want to have a look at that while we're talking
0: And as I share
1: this, I want you to look at picture number three. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. so So I'll I'll just explain what... uh, So basically it's uh, a number of drawings. On the bottom of the screen there are the CIA ones. So these are the words they picked out from the dictionary and drew. And then there are Yuri Geller's drawings on top. Um, shall, I, shall I talk through this, or do you want to talk through it? Yeah, no, go for it. So yeah. the first image is the CIA one, which I'm assuming is a kite. It looks very much like a kite to me. Um, yeah. And Yuri Geller has drawn effectively what it's not exactly a kite, is it? But it's it's a square with a crossing it and a little bit of a tail. So. You know, whether he was aiming to draw an exact kite, he's got it pretty close though. S- he's got it close. Yeah. The set, but it,
0: you know, but it's, it's still, as you say, you know, a skeptic could pick a hole in it, but of, of any object in the world, that's still quite impressive. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, the next one, the CIA have drawn, uh, I guess that's a camel. And for some reason, it's a that,
0: terrible camel. But yeah, yeah it's,
1: it's a te- camel. It's kind of <laughs> it looks a bit like a, a camel crossed with the Loch Ness monster, and then for some weird reason, <laughs> yeah. there's one upside down there as well yeah. with two humps. There's a one hump and a two hump. Um, Uri Geller's drawn a horse, but it, it again, it's kind of he's got it the right way round, unless they've flipped the image somehow. Um, yeah, it's pretty close. But the third one, as you referred to, is the CIA drawing a bunch of grapes and Geller's drawing is pretty much identical to it. It's a big clustered bunch of grapes with a kind of vine on the top. It's That is pretty spot on. It, it's a
0: stereotypical I, bunch of grapes. The stalk uh, kind of comes out of the top and goes off to the right in both pictures. Yeah, it's amazing. But the, the stalk... Stunning thing is that Geller has drawn exactly the same number of grapes. Oh really? If oh, you I didn't count count them, them. They are the same wow. number of grapes.
1: That is amazing. And so Okay, alright. Alright, you got the funding, Ben
0: <laughs> Right, exactly. And
1: uh, I mean, unless let's 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 just try and let's try and play cynic here. So the only way that would work is if he had some deal with the guy from the CIA who was pulling out the images, right?
0: That's the only way. It's yeah. The only way. That's the only way to cheat it.
1: Yeah, unless unless they deliberately faked it to get funding, but that's quite a risky strategy.
0: Yeah, and and y- Yuri didn't play a big part in well. As far as has been declassified, he didn't play a big part in this. This was just an experiment to see what kind of powers he had. And it turns out they were pretty good. Wow. And a bit like everything else that we've spoken about, I can't believe that we're not looking at that photograph of those grapes every single day until we work out what the hell's going going on. Yeah. Because I just find that completely stunning. Yeah. So if Yuri Geller can do that in, you know, one one image with somebody else outside the room, imagine the sorts of results that weren't declassified. Imagine the sorts of things that people could find yeah. with these with these skills without any boundaries whatsoever. And if
1: you're not if you're listening to this and you're not looking at the image it's not like the bunch of grapes it wasn't like five so it was a lucky guess I don't know how many was on there but there was a lot of 20 something 20 there. something so the odds of a getting the word right the drawing right the stalk going the right way and the exact amount of grapes are, I'm no mathematician but it must be astronomical right
0: yeah of course, of course. And it's it's not just the vague idea of grapes. I think if he'd drawn any sort of fruit, I would have been moderately impressed. He had me a camel. Right. <laughs> then, right. Then you do the exactly. grapes. Wow. But but that that's also the thing is like what he what he's getting it really must be an impression of the image because, well, as we saw, that C.I. drawing of the camel is pretty poor, and I can completely understand why a very badly drawn single-humped camel it might come over as a horse with a saddle because that's what he drew. Yeah, it's a horse yeah. with a saddle, so he's he's recognised that there's something happening on the back of that horse. And if you go,
1: if you go with it i can i can um, i can visualize and say okay i get that that maybe somehow he was you know reading the other person's mind and doing it but then there is a huge leap to what we were talking about a minute ago to going into a submarine that you've never been into or the people who want you to look at it have never been into and getting Mm. it right. It's like Mm. I'm amazed at the grape thing and, like you said, the camel. But then, you know, okay, he's reading someone's mind, but unless he's reading someone's mind on a nuclear submarine thousands of miles away, what's
0: going on, right? It's it's bonkers. Well, Yuri then went on to take uh, gigs with oil companies and he was paid very large sums of cash to point out on maps where they should drill wow and he wasn't always right but he was in he was right enough of the time that they kept paying him people felt it was worth his while yeah wow yeah and what a great, and when great there gig. is <laughs> is
1: yeah. that job still open i wouldn't mind a crack at that that'd be great <laughs>
0: Well, we'll give it a try. Well, maybe
1: not with the price of oil at the moment, maybe something else, but yeah.
0: (laughs) But but I think that's sort of the fascinating thing, is that at some point, somebody at, I don't know, let's say Total Oil Company, the big (laughs) boss is asked to write a cheque for a million dollars for a psychic, and it must have taken quite a lot for them to sign the first one. Yeah. But to sign the second one, you know, there's good reason. And if there's money involved, you know, it's just a simple calculation, isn't it? Yeah,
1: Uh, it's interesting you use the word psychic because, you know, it's something we, on our podcast, we talk a lot about definitions and getting the definitions of things right. So I think when you think of psychic, you do think of psychic mediums and you know, people doing kind of advanced stage shows, and I guess stage shows, and I guess Geller kind of slightly fits in to that mould. But the the book mm. doesn't tend to go down that route. The training manual is that. Do you think that's a funding issue, or do you think they see it all part of that same world of psychics and mediums? It didn't read that way to me. I guess is what I'm getting at.
0: No, I I don't think that. I I think in the example I gave, I think that if you don't know about this world, you probably say, oh, he's a psychic. But I don't like it's very clear that nobody involved in it believes they're psychic. They believe that they're using a scientifically provable skill, which can be honed.
1: Which is, again, in the book, it it kind of indicates that some people are better than others at it, but they, they had a belief they could pretty much train anyone to do
0: it, right? Is that right? Or Yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, and at the sort of inception of this, as they were beginning to ramp up the operations, there was a very real fear that because the results that were coming back were so good, that if your enemy was ahead of you they could have an entire legion of remote viewing troops who could be deployed to the front line and you'd have no chance from hiding from them you'd have no chance of defeating them because they'd all have this skill and that is what they were trying to go for they were trying to distill what appeared to be a stage show or You know, a something that belongs on uh, in the pages of a brochure in, you know, Las Vegas or something, and turn it into a military skill. Now, I can. I I didn't just read those books. I read around. Ingo is a very interesting man, and he wrote some books of his own, including one that I've been looking at called uh interestingly, Penetration and you'll see why it's <laughs> interesting in a bit. This so, all, yeah.
1: so and Ingo was the was he the viewer in the, the book well, that we were reading he, he, or was he one of the authors? I I wasn't quite it,
0: sure. So 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 he was in charge of uh, he was one of the people in charge of Project Stardust. So he was leading the program, of one of the opera- He was, yeah. but he was a skilled uh, remote viewer himself. Right. Now, <laughs> this is see this. Everything I've described so far seems perfectly reasonable, <laughs> and are you just going to take, even us though off? we're using a skill that is uh, uh, so you can't really put your finger on how it might work. But we're in the realm of looking inside Soviet submarines, yeah. uh, looking inside Saddam Hussein's secret stash, and, you know, hey, trying you're to gonna go,
1: work out... I've got a feeling you're going to go all tin hatty on me now, aren't you?
0: Well, no, but... Well,
1: that would distri- disrupt the signal, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. He... Ingo describes his interaction with a CIA agent, a CIA agent whose pseudonym is Axel, who provided Ingo with a very specific target. Again, he didn't know what it was, but during his uh, remote viewing session, he concluded that this target was on the dark side of the moon. It's not Slash, is it? (laughs) (laughs)
1: No, no. Sorry, it was the Axel. No, he, he, he gets... <laughs> on the dark side of the
0: moon. More. OK. It's, yeah, it's on the dark side of the moon. OK. And...
1: All right, you got me interested. He,
0: he then says to, he says to Axel, I think that's what those targets are. I think it's the dark side of the moon. And Axel won't confirm or deny it, right. but gives him another set of coordinates. At this point, on his... Uh, remote vision, he reports becoming aware of a greenish haze emanating from a crater and surrounded by darkness before reporting that this haze appears to be coming from actual lights giving off a green hue on top of towers of some kind. On the moon? Or have we moved on from the moon? No, no, we're still on the moon. Okay. Now, he describes at this point that he he, he apologises to Axel assuming that, like you just said, this must be entirely noise. There can't be any signal right. here. How can it possibly be that there are lights on the moon? And at this point, Axel, although he appears bewildered, he asks asks him if he really is seeing lights. And when he confirms that he is, he says, okay, carry on. Again... Ingo seems uh, confused about what he's seeing and he asks his CIA contact whether NASA or the Soviets have some sort of secret moon, uh, moon base, but he receives no answer. So he carries on. And during this second expedition to what he assumes, again, is the dark side of the moon, it was never confirmed to him, he reports... Seeing some sort of being, males who were either human or at least humanoid, naked and performing some sort of task on the moon, they appeared to be surrounded by a dark green mist and digging on a hillside or cliff. <laughs> so that's where, that's where I think. <laughs> I told you
1: you were going to get tin hatty.
0: <laughs> well, it's at that point you you, you build yourself up and go. Yeah. Core, this sounds great and then that because if he was right about the soviet submarine how you know how ca- can he be right about this yeah. and and calling your book penetration <laughs> and he does go into some depth about the naked men <laughs> really uh, yeah,
1: and we got we got I, Axel, and I just can't get Axel Rose out of my head now. It's all it's all. <laughs> mm. <laughs> You're making this up, Ben, aren't you? Come on, admit it. <laughs> I'm, I, I wish I was making it
0: up. I wish I was making it up. But <laughs> let's go back to the grapes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but it's it's such a so there was no it's, so there was no. So he doesn't know what the uh, what are they called the mo- what are they called moderators or not. The- there the viewer and the observer. Or the monitor—that's monitor, the word. He doesn't know what the observer was asking him to look at. That's never been revealed, I guess.
0: No, it's it's never been revealed. No, and what's kind of interesting is that as he's viewing this, he becomes scared. He believes that the Entities that he's observing know he's there. Right. And he asks Axel if it would be possible that they could harm or even kill an earthbound psychic. He uses the word psychic there. He doesn't in other places. It's a little inconsistent. Right. If they knew that such a person possessed the capacity to spy on what might be intended as clandestine activities, Axel says to him, there's no conclusive evidence to suggest that. And that kind of... Con- Ingo describes that he was upset by that and he he stops the session. So either, either that is a real session that happened and, and there was some- the CIA are testing, you know, his limits or they knew something was there. Maybe something is on the dark side of the moon. It's... It's sorry. A I'm, very... I'm
1: just taking all that in. Just, yeah. But does in the book does he? he you said about the reaction of the monitor Axel. Does does he? Did Did you say Axel looked confused or not? Or did did um, did this? No. Did he? So he thought that Axel was like, oh shit, you found something interesting here. Is that was that the way you read it?
0: Uh. No, i I read it that um Axel was surprised by the details, but not surprised by what he found okay. because he then goes on and it it's not worth it. if you want to read it get get the book you can you can find it uh, at various places, but he goes on to describe uh, these enormous towers and objects that he sees on the dark side of the moon, which are built by an intelligence which he comes to believe isn't uh human but then but then but then either
1: they've been taken down because there's been lots of photos of the dark side of the moon right and lots of governments of china and everyone i mean if there's big structures like that we'd know about it wouldn't we unless there's some major cover-up going on so unless they've been taken down or they're temporary you, you, you would think so
0: yeah You would think so, but Ingo, he carries on and outside of his remote remote viewing sessions, and I'm quoting now, he reports having seen an attractive and scantily clad (laughs) woman at a supermarket who caused him to experience an intense wave of goosebumps throughout his body. (laughs) At this time, he says that he had the intuitive conviction that this woman was an alien. (laughs) Okay. so I mean, he he sure he wasn't he in, does sure he's not love been his in, naked people you're sure he's not
1: been in lockdown
0: <laughs> no no But th- this is in this is this is his published work, wow. and my theory is that the reason why this venture uh, appears to have been closed down is because of things like this right. right. Because if you are in Congress or whatever and you're trying to find a reason not to sign off a military budget and Ingo is part of, uh, uh, you know, an, an element of that budget, you only have to bring this up. And whether it's true or not, nobody is going to give this man money. Nobody. Well, you say that it's worth
1: him having another crack now Trump's in the White House. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he should he should I mean, go straight it's back. Got, into it's got it. it's got everything. It kinda of ties in with Space Force. It's got kind of naked alien women. It'd be
0: yeah, I could see it
1: working. Yeah. I, could, I can see the pitch now.
0: Yeah. But this you see, this is really But you're right,
1: sorry, just before you say that. I mean you, I no. mean you're right because you've just told me that story and you know, I've been belly laughing at it. Now if <laughs> and i'm just somebody who's quite into this stuff and interested in this stuff talking about it if i was the man sitting there in a meeting about to write a check for about 20 billion million dollars and i'd heard that i'm not i'm not sure my laughing would quite be what was going on right you just no. you just say get out no.
0: <laughs> you you you'd back away yeah. of course you would of course you would um but it's worth pointing out because i don't want to like it'd be very unfair to point the finger at this person to say they're charlatan because I don't I don't think they are a charlatan they wouldn't have got the funding they had and well the- I found a transcript of the very first experiment from February 1972 and it's this experiment which uh convinces the military bosses to unhand some money so What happened was there is a subject called Vera. So uh, I should say Swan and his handler and Vera are all uh, in New York at this time. And Vera is asked to go to somewhere in New York. Uh, Now, remember, it's 1972, so she's got no cell phone, nothing like that. She can choose where she goes and ingo is asked to write almost like a um a blog about what she's doing and where she's going and then when she comes back she needs to confirm or deny the details so it all kicks off at 10:35 in the morning and un- obviously ingo doesn't know but vera goes to the museum of natural history in new york And at 10.45, he says, I think she's in a room that's round with a hallway and a flight of stairs to the south. There are large paintings on the wall. Now, uh, Vera says, okay, nearly correct. I was in a large octagon-shaped room. The walls were lined with glass exhibits of monkeys, but the specimens were displayed against very large backdrop paintings. At 10.50... Uh, He says, she's in a large room that is darkened. There are lots of animals. Uh, And she says, correct. She was in one of the great animal exhibit halls, which were all darkened. Uh, At 10.55, he says, she's in a long corridor and there's a telephone booth nearby. And she says, correct. I was a little bit behind schedule and I was rushing along a corridor uh, at first, she said there was no telephone booth, but when uh, she later went to check against the photographs she took of the target, she noticed there was a telephone booth there and uh, she hadn't noticed it at first. So it's not like it could and have been cold
1: it, reading at that point. It's just...
0: No, no, no well, well, she's she's in she's remote he writes all of this while she's out so they're not not giving
1: him feedback as he's going no no
0: no no he's in a room all by himself and he knows that his target can be anywhere in new york like because she she doesn't start off at the office she just he's just told you need to tell us where vera is write down minute by minute where you think she is Uh, and he achieves it um at 11am, uh, he gets it right on the nose. He says she's in a room with dinosaurs in it. Mm. And at that time, she was in the room with the biggest dinosaur bones. And it's New York, is not, it's it not the first thing like you
1: would think of, is it? You would, you know, if you, if you were going to kind of try and guess, you'd go, you know, Empire State Building or whatever, wouldn't you? You wouldn't necessarily go for a museum, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. And, and also, even if you get an inkling that she's in that museum that museum is enormous yeah. and he, his job was to write down minute by minute where she is I the phone, so phone he,
1: booth and stuff
0: yeah he he gets that at ten fifty five she's in a corridor so she as i say she's matching these against photographs that she's taken at the time so she confirms he says ten you're in a corridor at ten she's got a picture of her in a corridor she says there is the phone booth. They look at the picture, there is a phone booth. So he's actually even more right than she they first is. suspect. Yeah. I mean you know, I was th- God, sorry. No, I was gonna say so that it this is the other end of this whole programme. This is the very same um you can prove that it works so here's some money, and then they go on and achieve some results and they start documenting it. Mm. You can see from those documents that you've read in that book and that I have read out from the CIA reading library that these are not fanciful things. It doesn't sort of talk about having to light candles and dance around and do whatever. It describes very... processes which should be repeatable and it's done in a textbook style which is just a long way away removed from being chased around Tesco's by a sexy alien maybe this is why you're getting
1: those bikini ads
0: do you know I hadn't thought of that (laughs) Um,
1: but I was thinking was you when, when you were talking about it is I mean, it could be something as simple as in later life that if you do spend a lot of time doing this stuff, there may be some side effects to your brain, right? You know what I mean? So this yeah. this is a last stage. Yeah. He's been doing this for 20 years, you know, forgetting kind of mixed signals and all that stuff, you know. And if you're working in that environment, it might cause some kind of extended level of paranoia either from just the fact that's what you do for a living for 20 years or the fact that Mm. something about the process starts to kind of mess with your brain. So I know it's funny, but you can't, I guess you can't, as you're saying, you can't completely write it off because later in life you said a few things that, you know, frankly, we all think are a bit bonkers.
0: Right, right. So I I guess the difficulty is, so he spoke about, noise and signal maybe maybe he was experiencing a lot of noise at that point yeah. and uh how how did he know but also i think there are sort of two other things that are worth uh adding into the mix one is maybe he's right yeah maybe you know maybe we're guilty or maybe i'm guilty of that giggle factor, maybe it isn't. Maybe it isn't ridiculous. Maybe those things are really there, which we can't discount. Or um, that he was he was seeing something, so he he wasn't really on the dark side of the moon. It was something else yeah. that he was looking at. Maybe he was looking at a different point in history. Well, because that is the other point about this. You don't just look at things on the current yeah. linear timeline. So maybe he was seeing another race of people or beings on another planet, and he just thought it was the dark side of the moon. It looked like that. Maybe he was looking at an ancient Earth. Maybe he was looking at Mars. Or, or we
1: get back to our kind of favorite pet subject, which is you know, is it is it a uh, a virtual reality or a parallel universe yeah. or part of the simulation? You know, he's you know he's. I, I, You know, the teenager in the bedroom, we, he just luckily hit some button that took him into that weird realm that has got structures yeah. on the moon with aliens, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. In his version of Sims, yeah, exa- they're all yeah, butt naked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Wandering around the supermarket, looking for toilet roll yeah. in lockdown. Um, yeah. Yeah, wow. It's fascinating, though. I mean, as you, I just keep thinking... You know, you know, you can fool some of the people all that, you know, that famous saying. But I'm not sure you can fool the CIA and the American military for twenty odd years, officially, no. let alone what's gone on unofficially. No. Uh, you just can't, can you? So, no. I, I, either no. there's some, you know, these people that did the experiments and the tests were extremely lucky (laughs) which doesn't seem again statistically very likely to be lucky for 20 years and if they are that lucky then well that's something somebody should look into anyway you know what I mean something must have been going on even if it's not quite to the level that we've been discussing today but there has to be something Mm. about it that they kept funding this stuff and working at it for that period of time
0: yeah Agreed. So, after all of that and finding out that it's a skill we could all do, I thought we should give it a try. Oh, excellent. I, well, I'd,
1: I'd love to do that. I'd love to do that. And it's weird that you say that, because I was reading the book, right, and now I'm going to tell this story, and people will think I'm making it up because I've got a huge gap in the story. I was reading the, the the book I'd gone to bed early one night I think it was the start of the week, maybe Monday or Tuesday and I was reading the book and I went to sleep and you know you're in that kind of slightly dreamy but not quite fully asleep stage and I just got the sharpest picture of something appeared in my head, like a, like a really sharp high definition photograph and Okay. Because I'd been reading the book, this is where my story is going to sound complete bullshit, but it's not. I thought, oh, I must write that down. And then I thought, no, that was so vivid, I will remember it in the morning. And then I went fully to sleep. And then I can't remember what the image was. (laughs) And it sounds like I'm making it up, but I'm really not. And I've been kicking myself all week because I... I knew we were going to talk something about this and I was going to say I always read this weird thing. I have had images coming into my mind during the week but I don't know if it's associated with this or reading the book. So, have you been thinking about this as
0: well? Yeah. So, I've got got one object and three places in the world that I've been to that I've set as targets... But the object that uh, I've set, it's it's not in this room but it is in this house and I've been properly staring at it for, I don't know, 10 minutes a day.
1: There were certain things in the book that it was saying, you know, you almost had to kind of concentrate and have distraction. That's quite hard to do on a podcast, right? Because if you're Mm -hmm. kind of trying to push an image to me. So what I reckon we should do, because this has been fascinating discussing this subject, I think you've got some in your mind and you uh, either kind of go with those or go with new ones. Why don't we both think of three places and an object and spend a week trying to push those into our minds and do whatever we do send a signal effectively Mm -hmm. and rather than me going because I didn't realize we were going to do a kind of live thing otherwise I'd have written down my dream but I can't remember what it was Um, so why don't we spend a week and whenever we get the urge that we think we're getting a signal we'll write stuff down and we'll pick this up in another episode where we'll do that and maybe try some other experiments, you know, like the grape thing. I'd love to try that. So we can do okay. some drawing, stuff like that. So we've we've covered the background of this subject, which is absolutely fascinating. And to me, my takeaway is, I just can't believe that the CIA invested all this money in it if there's nothing there. There is the slightly more tin hatty side of it, but like you say, maybe we're just not looking at that in the right way. I think we should come back and um, have a go at it. I think we should... Let's do three places and three objects. Okay. And we'll spend, like you said, a certain amount of the day just transmitting that to each other and see if we get anything.
0: Okay. That sounds good. Excellent.
1: Well... Fascinating, Ben. I'm glad uh, I'm glad you brought this topic up because it, uh, yeah, it's really really interesting and there's something in there. It's just finding out what it is. So let's see if we've got what it takes to be remote viewers um, in a follow up episode. Okay. Brilliant. Okay. So uh, again, as we said earlier, we will put some of the details of the stuff we've been looking at today will definitely put that thing of uh, Yuri Geller and the grapes up you've got to see that so if you go to at TQM podcast on Facebook it's probably the best place to go or follow us on Twitter at TQM podcast but maybe Facebook we can put it all in one of those folders and you can have a a look at it either now or um, and also uh, yeah and see what you think because it's quite amazing fascinating cool All right, well, we'll be back with our little live experiment that we'll try on each other. We'll see you next time. Cool. See you next time.
0: quantum mechanics